1: Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D-Mendy, Little Cheesecake, and Doc starts now.
0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network, D-Mendy here, joined by the master of the overreaction. It's the Doc, a.k.a. Eric Mendelson. What's going on? You know, what am I overreacting about today? You're overreacting about some of the bets you hit that lost the 49ers getting demolished.
2: I wasn't going to bring the 49ers up, but I, and I don't think it was an overreaction when I said two weeks ago their season was over. Well,
0: you overreact
2: to a lot of things. We,
0: we can keep it baseball related, but uh, we'll see how you overreact to what we're talking about today on this show. And what is that, you ask? in well, today's episode, we have Mysteries of the Winter. The World Series is set to begin tomorrow as of this recording, and we're in for a long crazy winter as we've talked about with, we know, the negotiations and mystery that surround the 2022 season are upon us. So, what we're doing is we want to take a look at some of the players going into next year that had some dreadful or up-and-down 2021s, and today our job is trying to figure out what we're going to do as far as if we feel comfortable drafting these players or even just at all even looking at them for 2022. And we'll be doing that with NFBC legend and amazing baseball mind himself, Rob Silver. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, who would be the best cowboy in Major League Baseball? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we could do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! notes we're going to talk about here on this show for today, because to, we want to get right to Mr. Rob Silver. The World Series is set between the Braves and the Astros as they go head-to-head. Doc, who you got, and what is uh, some storylines you may be watching in this series?
2: Well, first of all, I can't believe you're not going to announce that the Cardinals got a new skipper. I feel like that's news and notes worthy. Oh, well, go ahead, Doc, if you want to break the news. Breaking like news. I, I, feel like, I feel like I just did. But, in terms of World Series, and not talking about Oliver Marmol, there you go, youngest MLB manager. I'm gonna go with the Astros and six. Now, talking about overreacting, I underreacted and bet only five for the Braves to win the pennant. I don't think they're gonna do more than that. I think the Astros have the momentum. They've been there before. We saw the Braves choke last year with a three to one lead. So, go Astros and six. And storylines, for me, is going to be how many times they bring up the cheating scandal.
0: Yeah, I mean, Astros have home field, and they seem like they're locked in. I know people have accused them of cheating this year. Um, but it's just, it's just something, I mean, the Braves are obviously kind of the more Cinderella team at this point. The Astros, you know, are tested, and they've been there. Uh, but... To be honest, there are some more question marks with the Braves I'm a little bit more worried about. I'm a little bit more worried about their starting pitching. And the Astros, again, you just saw Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez both come off really incredible starts. Luis Garcia's fastball was actually the highest it's been all season. And if he can pitch like that, six outings you just saw in his last start. Framber Valdez led the entire major leagues in ground ball rate. And uh, the Braves' Max Freitz coming off his worst outing of the postseason. And you have gotta wonder at some point, like, are the Braves gonna to come to a halt as far as this kind of Cinderella run that they're on? I I'm with you, Doc. I think Astros, but I to say Astros in seven.
2: So I what I think is interesting, and David, tell me if otherwise, do you feel like the two hottest major league or hitters in Major League Baseball are Austin Riley and Jordan Alvarez?
0: I would say definitely Yordan Alvarez, but I think Eddie Rosario is hotter than Austin Riley.
2: I think Eddie Rosario has been hotter in the last series, but I think dating back to the end of the regular season, Austin Riley has been on a tear. But I I get where you're coming from with Rosario. Can they catch this hot streak in the World Series?
0: Well, we're going to see. I'm just glad we get to start watching stuff tomorrow, Um, to be honest. uh, Again, recording on October 25th, so I'm just excited. World Series baseball, Joe Buck on the call, nothing like it. So it's going to be really fun to dive into some World Series over the next week here. But if you enjoy the World Series and you enjoy the content of Triple Play Fantasy and want to hear more of what we got, please check out all the other great things going on in the Triple Play Fantasy Network. We've got our football and basketball podcast, but also the shows Super the Fantasy Bros, Between the Seams with Marty and Mac, and The Tripwire. Shorter content on our YouTube channel like Coaches' Corners, Fantasy Foodies, Movie Minutes, and more. And uh, if writing's more your style, you can go to TriplePlayFantasy.com where you'll see tons of great articles from our talented writers. Of course, make sure you stay in the know by following the social media account at Triple Fantasy on Twitter. Now, all right, Eric, I'm going to level with you here. If kryptonite is Superman's greatest weakness, then a good fantasy baseball podcast brings me to my knees and strips me of all my powers. Anything that you can capture my attention from my workout, my job, heck, even my wife, that takes superhuman abilities. So if I told you the podcast was Triple Play Fantasy that did that to me, you can search it hit subscribe. It's so easy that even if you have a monkey banging a symbol between those ears of yours, there ain't nothing stopping you from subscribing.
2: You know what, David? You are getting right below Govier in terms of the most creative people in fantasy. Like, I, I just don't understand where you come up with this stuff. I, I got to say, I'm impressed. I, I never give compliments, but it's just like it's, it's never a dull moment with you.
0: Well, Govier is is always going to be the, the first and foremost, the best at creativity and energy in this space. But if I can date number two, I'll take it. So appreciate it. You that. deserve it. Pro- Bravo, David. Bravo. We're going to jump into Mysteries of the Winter with Rob Silver right after this quick
1: break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: Oh, heck yeah. Maybe come fall on Maybe October, but when there's October, we only know one thing around these parts, and that's baseball. World Series baseball is going on right now. A ton of great baseball talk ahead on this show. Doc, of course, you know, joining me alongside for
2: the ride here. Doc, how are you doing this evening? You know, I'm doing pretty well, uh, besides the fact my computer mic never works, but one for two on bets, and if Geno Smith doesn't rush for 13 yards for two or three, that's the only football talk. Uh,
0: there's no football talk here, and I- and I have to say, you actually are looking quite good. This is as good as you ever looked. So uh, very, very well, very well done there. But I wish I could say the same about you. <laughs> of course, you see another he a he handsome gentleman on screen that's normally not here. So I got to introduce him in the proper way. Welcome in a man that may have the last name Silver, but he's a guest worthy of being called Gold in our books. This man talks baseball on the Launch Angle podcast. Is the twenty sixteen NFBC main event overall winner, and will sometimes throw those Canadian politics in there just for fun, ladies and gentlemen. If you talk to this guy, you better be drafting Bobby Dahlbeck. It is
1: Rob Silver. How's good. it going, man? It's good, and I, uh, I like the uh, the graphic with the snow falling in the background. as a, As a Canadian, it makes me feel very welcome because uh, uh, winter is almost started here, and it sucks so much. So I love talking baseball. It helps. Uh, it helps make the uh, the winter go a little faster. What's the temperature like there right now? Uh, So I'm I'm in Ottawa, uh, the nation's capital, which the weather here in the winter is horrendous. I moved from Toronto here. Toronto is far more like New York City. So it's, it gets winter, but it's not a brutal winter, whereas Ottawa winter uh, is horrendous. So tonight it's getting down to freezing. So Celsius about zero, uh, 30, 32, 34 uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, so it's bad and it's raining outside and it's miserable. Like today is the first day. Where it's, it just hits you in the bones, and uh, only six months to go. Like, six months from now, things are going to be way better uh, here, but uh, but yeah, we have a long 150, 170 days of crap coming up, so let's talk baseball. <laughs>
2: that was such an EKG. It's like, all right, things suck, but they're going to get better.
1: We're, not, <laughs> like, to be we're, we're only. We're only half a year away from things getting uh, much better, better weather-wise. Uh, it's a long winter here. I'm not going to lie to you. It's uh, I'm I'm doing a great job selling uh, selling my homeland here.
0: Yeah, you you gave me the chills. Honestly, I'm just like was, right now it's it was in the 70s today here in Baltimore, and uh, uh, anytime thinking about in the 30s, you, I don't do well with the cold. So I guess I'm uh, moving to Canada. I, but
1: I I, I I used to go to Washington DC uh, for for work a lot. And DC winters are the best, right? Like you can be in your neck of the woods in early February, and we're in like a t-shirt outside, and the flowers are starting to bloom, and it's like, yeah, we're done. So you get just enough winter where you get to taste it, right? You'll get you'll get snow in Baltimore every every year, but it's a charming snow because you know it's going to be gone in three days. It is. It's like the best of both worlds, because I, I
0: want to be able to actually see the snow. I want to sure. be able to experience winter, even if it's just for a month, month and a half. But then you give us give us our sunshine, give us our t-shirts and shorts. Uh, the one question I will ask you, though, do you like living in Toronto, or do you like living in Ottawa
1: better, outside the uh, weather? Uh, I'm a big city guy, so I miss Toronto. There are aspects. I have a, a 10-year-old son, so there are aspects. We moved to Ottawa as, as folks who listen to podcasts or follow me on Twitter know uh, because of my wife's job. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. And there are aspects of raising a family. When people say a city is a good place to raise a family, that's usually code word for it. It's really boring. And there's truth to that. Uh, Toronto is you know, fifth biggest city in North America. So I, I, uh, I love Toronto. I miss Toronto. Uh, but there's, you know, the traffic sucks. Housing prices suck but I miss it. So Toronto, uh, if, if you are, if you are an American thinking of moving to Canada and you can afford it, Toronto is a much better city to live in objectively than Ottawa. The healthcare oh, yeah. there too, probably much better than us. We, 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 wow. Healthcare across sports. So that's across the country. We've got universal uh, universal healthcare, but we don't want to go into politics. I don't want to alienate anybody. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> true. It's
0: in his profile. We had to make sure we put yeah. in there. Uh, but of course, we have Rob here for a very special reason. We've got a, a very pressing topic. And I know the World Series is going on, but with us fantasy baseball players, it's never too <coughs> early to head. ahead. And so we're looking at today, Mysteries of the Winter. So the World Series, as we talked about, as of this recording, is getting set to begin tomorrow. Today is Monday, October 25th. It's going on October 26th. We're in for a long, crazy winter filled with negotiations and mysteries surrounding the 2022 season. So some of these mysteries include some players that we're going to be talking today and that's about the dreadful 2021 seasons they had the up and down nature of sorts and what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out one where are we drafting players we're going to talk about and two are we even interested in drafting these players do we see stuff in their profile that's scaring us off potentially for wanting to draft them next year so we've got uh, six guys here and there's Plenty more, so if, if we end up wanting to throw somebody else in there that, that doesn't get talked about, we may do that. If we're feeling frisky, but we're going uh, <laughs> to we're gonna start out here with one of the cover boys, if you are watching on the YouTube channel. And that's Christian Yelich, who batted last year 248, 362, 373 slash, nine homers, 51 RBIs, and nine stolen bases. Some interesting things in his profile. He hit 187 against lefties compared to 271 versus right-handers. And the last four months, he pretty much alternated between 200 and 300 batting averages. Obviously, we know the back injury has been a problem. And it's kind of been kind of undiagnosed in the sense where there hasn't been some concrete answers for what's going on with his health. So, Rob, I'm sitting here today. I'm asking you, at what round would you feel comfortable investing in Christian Yelich?
1: You know, before you you send me the list of players, before I dove in uh, on Christian Yelich... because like I have PTSD, I had Christian Yelich on one team uh, this year, and he was unstartable in the second half. Like he became what felt like this like light hitting Judy hitter who could barely get the ball out of the uh, the infield, and he was getting some hits uh, here and there, but it just felt so bad. So my my you know gut answer uh, was I'm I'm just out. Like he is not Christian Yelich anymore. And then I started diving into the actual numbers a little bit. And it feels way worse than he actually was. So I'm going to paint a positive picture, and then I'll come back uh, to the actual question. His skills went have gone from elite, elite, to still very good. Um, so his exit velocity um, percentile was 95, 98, 99. So nobody was better than Christian Yelich for three years to 80th percentile. So it feels like he he just wasn't hitting the ball hard, but 80th percentile ain't nothing. His hard hit rate went 100, 95, 97, 96, 98. It's literally the best profile you could possibly have to 87th percentile in terms of hard hit rate. Let me read you the players right after him in a hard hit rate, because again, in, in my mind coming out of this year, it's Christian Yelich. you can barely get the ball out of the infield anymore. Players right after him in hard hit percentage, Matt Olson, Bobby Dahlbeck, who you mentioned, Bo Bichette, Pete Alonzo, like those are the guys who hit the ball not quite as hard as Christian Jelic. So what, what, what went wrong, and I know I'm rambling here a little bit, but I thought it was actually a really interesting um, topic to dive into. Some of the other players I think will be a lot faster on. He basically has reverted back to his Miami uh, profile in a lot of ways, right? Like, what was the, what was the thing we all said as he went from Miami uh, to Milwaukee? Is he's got to stop hitting so many darn ground balls because you just cannot hit thirty home runs with his ground ball profile. So last year, uh, in Miami's ground ball rate was 55.4%. His ground ball rate over the subsequent years went 518 So getting better, then that was the miraculous year where he still hit the home runs, even though he had a 50% ground ball rate. Then 43%, back up to 50%. Last year, was up to 54.4%, right back to where it was in Miami. The problem was his home run per fly ball when he was getting it in the air just disappeared. That's a long way of saying... There are glimpses of hope for Christian Yelich that I don't think you feel right now, and you certainly don't look if uh, feel or see if you look at his traditional stat line. The question is, so what's the next step? And like for me, I don't think I'm going to be in on Christian. All those positives, I don't think I'm in <laughs> on Christian uh, Yelich. Um, because I have no reason to think that he suddenly gets healthy again. And I do think the health was a big part of this. Um, but I certainly think that it's possible 12 months from now we're sitting there and saying to ourselves, kind of like what Joey Votto did, and obviously Joey Votto is a decade older almost than uh, than Christian Yelich. It's like the signs were all there. He just needed to make a couple of adjustments, and it was all going to work itself out. And it will be very obvious in hindsight, all the stats I just read. It's within him still to be, uh, if not the like MVP level elite, still a really good player for where you're probably going to be able to get him. I just don't know if the risk is worth it for me. Sorry for a long answer, guys.
0: No, you don't have to apologize. It's all great information, and it's less time doc will talk too. So that's I'm all. <laughs> but like you, you said, everything I would have added. Like you look, the ground ball obviously is the first thing you'll want to look at, and like you said, that spiked back up this past season. Actually, over the last two years, it spiked back up as you mentioned too, and then. Uh, you know, looking out also at his actual home runs compared to his expected home runs. Like his expected home runs were actually even less than his actual. So you could even say he was potentially lucky to get nine. Expect it's closer to seven. So, uh, you know, with that back injury, if like they had said, this is the problem, he's getting it fixed. I think I would have felt a little bit better, but like right now we're still left in the dark so much with what's going on with Christian Yelich, and back injuries are probably among the worst things you can have. This, I mean, that's going to affect everything with your swing. It's not like, oh, it's like a wrist or, oh, you know, it's, it's a knee or, or something like that. You know, uh, a back is, is very involved with your swing. It's, and if it's something that could keep flaring up, uh, and it's not like you would expect a discount by a, a super deep discount, right? Like maybe he goes from being a second round pick to like a third or fourth, right? Like, I mean, I don't know, but he's been going so far in the really early drafts, but um, I feel like, like you said, it's going to be so early to the point where it's probably still going to be like, hey, even if it's a round or two less, I don't know if I want the risk that early.
2: So, no, I, I get that. I, I mean, you guys were going to kind of say what I was going to say as well. I mean, he's been in the, in the major leagues nine years. You take away those two amazing MVP, first and second finish places, and you look at the seven-year career he's had. He's only hit more than 20 home runs once. He had 21 with the Marlins. He's only hit 20 steals once. He's 22 years old in his second season. He's hit 300 once and his highest RBI total is 98. So those two years have really kind of inflated his value. Talking about the back. We also talked about the fractured kneecap. We're probably not going to see him as active on the base pass. So what are you really chasing? A good average with some home run potential? I'm with you guys, like third or fourth round. I'm out. That's fair. Let's move to another guy. We'll go to the
0: other cover boy. And that's Cody Bellinger, who during the regular season was definitely somebody that was not putting up Cody Bellinger type numbers. I don't even know who I would compare it to. 165, 240, 302 slash, 10 homers, 36 RBIs, and three stolen bases. But what's been very interesting is in the postseason, obviously they just got eliminated. 34 at bats in the postseason, five runs, 12 hits, a homer, seven RBIs, and five steals, a 353 batting average. Now, one of the key things with him also is he's only expected to have outfield-only eligibility next year. So you're not getting that first-base eligibility you've had in the past. We talked about potentially him choking up more in the postseason as something that maybe has fixed his swing. But we've, we heard him tinkering with his swing in the past. And so this is a guy that's kind that of, seems very volatile. And I don't really know where to value him. Doc and I have a fun little bet that I think by the end of spring training, the last week of spring training before the season starts, I think his ADP is going to skyrocket back up to a third round pick. Doc says no chance that he gets on that high. I believe I've heard some people talk about that he was going in like the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round in some drafts. Now, Rob, where do you value Cody Bellinger
1: going into next year? So unlike uh, Christian Yelich, there is nothing from his regular season profile that gives you any uh, hope. Like there's literally nothing. If his name was not Uh, Cody Bellinger, you could not look at anything he did in 2021 and say, well, you know, if he can build off of that, that's something. So you have only and it's not nothing. You only have his history and you have those 39 plate appearances uh, in in the host season that you mentioned. Um, What I'd say about the postseason plate appearances is first off, um, uh, dude had a, a 500 BABIP. And, and my gut, and then look, if you guys want to, if you guys are the types who place bets on, on the future, I'm happy to place a bet. I don't think that's sustainable. My gut is he's not going to have a 500 Babbitt, uh, next year. Um, second, um, you mentioned him tinkering with his swings. I'm not a baseball scout. Um, he had some of the ugliest swings that happened to turn into hits in the postseason I think I've ever, uh, seen. Like, like that, uh, game winning, um Swing the other day, he looked like a 12-year-old who had just picked up a bat for the first time and and is shocked that that something good happened. Like There were some ugly hacks. Put that aside. It is very hard, and I have searched, to find somebody who is as good up to 26 as Cody Bellinger and then falls off a cliff the way Cody Bellinger did this season. They're players who have gotten hurt. And you can just look at the injury and say it was the injury that caused this. But um, Cody Bellinger wasn't just a pretty good player; like he was on a elite, top three, top five percent um, uh, career path, and there just are not a lot of players who just stop knowing how to hit. So what are the scenarios? One, he was hurt all season. You know, We know he had a shoulder injury coming into the season. Um, he sure didn't look like himself uh, all season. And he sure didn't put up numbers uh, uh, like himself. So if that's the scenario, path one is, and he's healthy after a full winter off of training and, and rehabbing and doing whatever uh, he wants. And it wouldn't shock me if, if news comes out in the next few weeks that he was playing through uh, a a much more serious or multiple much more serious injuries that he didn't talk about all season. Uh, Option two under that is, of course, he comes back and he's just as hurt next uh, season and he doesn't uh, get better. And option two, separate from injury, is for some reason he just forgot how to hit. And that's possible. Um, But... I'm more interested in Christian Yelich in a lot of ways and Cody Bellinger, which I think would surprise some people. I'm not really that interested in, in either of them. Saw the Steamer projection that came out today for uh, Bellinger, they're hedging on playing time. And obviously it's unknowable in terms of what the Dodgers do in terms of their lineup. They have a bunch of free agents. So that's take that with a grain of salt. They see the power coming back, the batting average being about, you know, two forty nine, I think, is what Steamer had him down for. And you know, like, look if it's in the tenth, eleventh round, and he looks healthy in, in spring training, then maybe, but as as your bet implies, if he shows up in Arizona and he's like smoking home run after home run and his exit velocity is huge, and he looks like Cody Bellinger again, then he's not a tenth round pick, whether he's a third round pick or not, like who knows um, so like if you're drafting in the next six to eight weeks um, and there's no information. Like I, 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 he's he was so bad this year, and thirty nine plate appearances doesn't change that for me. That I've got to have a big discount, and there's got to be nobody. Put put it this way: I would rather take a chance on Byron Buxton always injured byron buxton than i would cody bellinger going into this uh year why because the last time we've seen cody uh byron buxton when he's healthy he's been nothing but very good cody bellinger when we've seen him healthy uh has been um other than you know a few games in the postseason has not been good
0: yeah and i think you brought up a key point there too like you know if he goes to arizona and, and he is looking like his old self we know that a lot of these players, especially in the NFBC format where you have the best players in the world, you see that, and that's where I think that that price can start elevating. Maybe it starts out as he's going from the 10th, 11th to like the 8th, and then it starts people starting to be like, hey, I can't get him you know, in the 8th, so I'm going to start taking him in the 7th. There's like, I know Dave McDonald, who's a really good friend of the show, started talking up with Zach Plisak, and Zach Plisak's. ADP rose up to what? How did, how, did, like. how, did,
1: how, did, how did that work out for him again? It didn't work out well, but I'm, I, just, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking, hoping that he watches. Yeah. I'm just needling. I love uh, it. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm he's, a, he's a guy. I had a, I had, I, I, I had never met him before. I had a chance to hang out with him a bit in Arizona at uh, First Pitch Arizona a couple of weeks ago, and he is truly a great guy i know like lots of us his twitter persona and my twitter persona like twitter is not real life but in he is a he is a good smart dude but he's a good dude and i was uh was quite uh quite thrilled to be able to to hang out with him for a couple of minutes and uh, and uh, uh chat over a, a, an adult beverage uh, while in uh, while in scottsdale while in mesa Okay, you can say beer on this show. It's all good. Really, I, I didn't. I didn't know what the protocol is. Beer is beer is acceptable. I didn't know yeah, if this, this was. This isn't uh, what, what no, is is one of your Mormon beer. podcasts.
2: <laughs> what if it wasn't uh, beer? What
1: if it was tequila? Uh, he was drinking some kind of a uh, brown liquor, so I don't think <laughs> it was beer. And, and frankly, I don't fully remember what I was drinking at the time. Oh. Which is which is a small glimpse into how the how the the week went in Arizona.
0: Oh man, Doc and I are really upset we missed out on that. It yeah, looked like a good time. time. It's, it's um, always a great time. Doc, real quick, give us your thoughts on Cody Bellinger. I know you obviously think he's going to stay at, at towards like a double-digit round pick. Is there anything you'd like to add?
2: I mean, I know that he had five steals in 12 postseason games, but he had three in 95. And I think probably because every game carries so much significant in the playoffs, but don't think he's going to run as much with the stress fractures. He's hit over 300 once. Other than that, his four seasons are below 270. So you're really just chasing the good home run power, and as Rob has said, he seems like he's a guy that sometimes forgets how to swing the bat. So I just couldn't take him in the first five rounds, six round. Yeah, maybe, yeah,
0: probably I'm, not. I'm gonna be <laughs> interested to see when they start, like when things start coming out this winter. Like Rob was saying, you know, was he really hurt? You know, is he putting in a lot of work this off season? Is he getting a lot of positive reports before spring training? How is he looking spring training? Uh, he'll be one of the guys I'm, I'm going to dive into a lot this off season. Let's go to the next person on this list, the last hitter on this list, That's Francisco Lindor, hit 230, 322, 412 slash line, 20 homers, 63 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. Statcast page is all red. It would make a bull angry. It's it's very uh, it's a scary looking page. Uh, and if you look at his batting, I looked at his batting average pre and post All-Star break, 225 pre All-Star break, 241 post All-Star break. Hit above 267 uh, or 267 or above two of the last three months. Nine home runs in September. Kind of looked like he was looking a little, a little bit more like the old Lindor towards the end of the year. Was it enough, though, to maybe make you take him above like a fourth or fifth round pick, which is where I kind of heard the murmurs of him kind of settling in at this point? Rob, what are your thoughts about Francisco Lindor?
1: So, I think in a lot of ways, with a big asterisk I'll get to at the end, he's the same as he ever was. So, 2017, he had 21.9 plate appearance per home run. 2018, 19.6. 2019, uh, 20.4. 2021, it was 26.2. But for May 1st on, it was 22.6. June 1st on, it was 20.3. So, power-wise, on a per-plate appearance basis... For most of the season, after he got past that horrendous April, he was basically the same guy. On the stolen base side, because obviously that's a big part when you're drafting a Lindor of what you're paying for, he tried less often. So he had a 6.9% stolen base attempt per opportunity, uh, which is not a statistic a lot of people dive uh, into, but it's an important statistic. Uh, how often do you have an opportunity to steal a base? Do you take advantage of uh, the opportunity? For his career, he's a 9.2% guy. So he's gone from he, from 92 over his career down to 6.9% uh, last year. He's only broken 10% though, uh, twice in his career. So he's never been an elite guy in terms of how aggressive he was on the bases. What it was for him was volume. And like, that's not a bad thing. You can say volume, um, as a pejorative, but he was getting 650, 700 plate appearances, which allowed him with a 9 or 10% stolen base, um, attempt rate per opportunity uh to rack up decent stolen bases but if you prorate his his numbers uh from last year to 650 plate appearances with his career average you're back up to 23 stolen base attempts and you know how successful you are caught stealing it's pretty random so if you just normalize everything everything that's not a lead but in this day and age, if you can get the 20 home runs and the 20 stolen bases, like that's an interesting uh, uh, mix right there. Um, so what I see from him, I see like a 25 home run, a 15 stolen base, 265, 90 runs, 80 uh, RBIs type season. And on the one hand that's really good and really useful if you're trying to build a team that stacks up guys who do a little bit of everything, and that's how you're going to approach speed next year. The problem is, I think you're still going to pay a premium because of the name, and I think he's another guy who I think, as people build up their draft strategy, is going to go higher and higher, when the season I just described is basically Jonathan India or Chris Taylor. Now, that's not a bad thing. My guess is, though, Jonathan India and Chris Taylor, the actual Jonathan India and Chris Taylor, are going three rounds later than Francisco Lindor. So I don't hate Francisco Lindor. I do think that he's basically the same guy, and he'll be fine next year. It's going to come down to cost for me, and my guess is uh, the cost is going to be a little bit more than uh, I'm going to want to pay. But what, what do I know? It's It's October right now.
0: Yeah, and I'm just looking at his profile, and there's some troubling trends when you look at it, like his slugging percentage, his OPS, have each declined over the last four seasons. His strikeout rate is actually the highest it was of his career last year. He was walking the most he had in his career, but I'm like looking at the batting average. The batting average has started to sharply decline some. Do you think that just some of the way, kind of, not saying he won't be a productive player, but could it just be, you know, I know he's 27, so it's not like he's old, but could it be a certain point where his skills are beginning to decline? Like, is this is he starting to settle in to this type of player? Where, like you said, he's uh, he's on the same level as a Jonathan India, as a Chris Taylor. He's not the superstar anymore. That's that's kind of where you're planting your flag with there, Rob.
1: Yeah, like his last four years in terms of fantasy player, like last year he finished his player 158 on the player Raider, 2020 91st, 2019 24th, 2018 5th. So on the one hand, the graph is going like this, and that's the wrong direction. On the uh, On the other hand, I think he does bounce back, and he's somewhere in the 50s, 60s. So I have no problem, depending on your roster build, with him in the fourth, fifth round. If that's where he lands, I think he'll be a fine value there if people think francisco lindor superstar 200 million dollar player and he's a second early third round player that's where i I tap out so i just have no sense on how people uh with the new york uh, bonus though new yorkers are probably pretty darn down on francisco lindor right now so that can play both ways
0: have you ever seen the family guy uh, flashback. I don't know if you if you're a Family Guy fan or not. Where uh, Stewie goes, this is more depressing than the New York Mets season. And they, <laughs> yeah. and they go the first pitch. And they go the Mets season is over. He's like, oh, dang it.
2: It's true. Uh, it is. Uh, Doc, anything you'd like to add on Francisco Lindor? <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys, I think did it for the most part. But I think the first year of signing a big contract is always a little bit overwhelming. Like we look at it with Bryce Harper, where are at a pretty disappointing first year. I mean, obviously, in New York, there's a little bit of a bigger market, but I think there's less pressure. I mean, if he's a healthy lock for 20 home runs, double-digit steals, and you know, as a middle infielder, I think it's pretty valuable. 230 is far from the 278 career batting average, so if I could get him in the third or fourth, I would definitely take him. We'll see how that plays out. Obviously,
0: also see what the Mets do this offseason, if he's going to have protection around him.
1: Yeah, if Jacob honest. Degrom's the best hitter on the Mets going into next year, then uh, that may change uh, my opinion on, uh, <laughs> on uh, Lindor slightly.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see how free agency plays out with them. Let's uh, let's go now to some pitching and let's talk Aaron Nola, who I was really glad I did not have any Aaron Nola this year. On I don't if I did, I maybe was on like one of my rosters and. Very up and down here. 9-9, nine nine, ERA, 223 strikeouts, and 180.2 innings pitched. Two months, again, he kind of flip flop with his ERA a lot of months. Two months in the threes, two months in the fours, and two months in the sixes as far as his ERA throughout the six months of the season. It seemed like he'd give you a fantastic start, and then he'd give up six earned runs in his next start. So will he be more consistent next year? Now, I've heard people throw the theory out there that he does very bad on odd number years, and he's been doing well on even number years. So if you <laughs> you like to buy in on those kind of narratives, there's that. But I feel like Rob's going to give us more of the numbers. Do you think that you should buy into Aaron Noly this coming year after what was the down year for? what we expected?
1: You know, I have this magic rock, and since I've had this rock, there have been no bear attacks in my home. <laughs> uh Yeah, uh, I do not buy the Brett Saberhagen or the Aaron Nola even odd year uh, theories. Um, If there is any discount on Aaron Nola uh, this year as compared to last year whatsoever, then it presents a buying opportunity that only come around so often. Uh, Aaron Nola had a 3.26 Sierra uh, last year. It was the exact same Sierra as he had in 2020. He had the fifth best strikeout minus walk rate in baseball last year. He had the sixth best uh, Sierra. He was elite the results weren't elite so it sucked if you had him on your fantasy team like unless you're playing in a sierra and strikeout minus walk rate uh league and uh and god bless you if you're playing in a league that uses (laughs) sierra as a category um that's even even for me uh a little bit much uh he he's awesome uh and he was awesome and the results weren't awesome why weren't the results awesome uh he had a 66.8 percent left on base percentage, which was the worst in baseball amongst starting pitchers. For his career, he's 74% uh, left on base uh, percentage, is relatively random it's part of your bullpen but it's mostly luck joe musgrove for example had has had the lowest single season uh left on base percentage in 2019 of anybody in the last three four uh, seasons the following year was 77 percent so it just regresses back up to kind of what your average uh career number is if you simply make that change just take it take add those eight from, from what his left-on-base percentage uh, was last year back to his career norm. His whole season looks different. The whole narrative of Aaron uh, Nola looks different. In terms of his stuff, his changeup had an 84th percentile strike uh, swinging strike rate. His uh, knuckle curve had an 80th percentile uh, swinging strike rate. I love pitchers who have two pitches that he can get swings and misses. If I want to nitpick on something negative on Aaron Nola... His fastball, his four-seamer, got fewer sw- uh, swinging strikes uh, and got hit hard uh, at 11.8% barrel rate. Uh, that's kind of Austin Gomber, uh, Keegan Aiken uh, uh, territory, 16th highest uh, uh, barrel uh, rate. Um, but I'm not sure how fatal that actually is, in part because his other stuff is so good. Um part, there's a lot of good pitchers who occasionally their fastball think Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer occasionally will just give up meatball fastballs for a variety of reasons and he's able to pitch uh, through it I have a, f- a theory and it applies to the next guy we're going to talk about more than Aaron Nola you can give up walks you can give up the occasional home run but you can't do both of those things that's where you're, you're really going to suffer and his velocity on the fastball was the same so there's nothing there's nothing about the fastball that would indicate that it should be much worse it was getting worse results uh, last year that's a nitpick but yeah If I have Aaron Nola as my ace coming out of a draft next year, I am in fine, fine shape. I am fine taking Aaron Nola wherever he goes as my number one pitcher. It doesn't mean there aren't pitchers I like more, but I think if you do not have Aaron Nola ranked in your top 10 starting pitchers uh, for next season, you're doing it wrong. And I think you can make an argument that uh, when you combine the volume that he's likely to pitch along with the results, that he should be closer to top 5 than to top 10
0: and you expect on a team like the Phillies that are always one of the top scoring run scoring teams he's going to obviously have a chance at a lot of wins too which mostly still count wins as a category which yep. you want that you know you obviously want to accumulate those stats but you're right looking into his profile the K's per 9 is right there the walks per 9 was actually the lowest of his career the K to walk best of his career the home runs per 9 was a little higher so maybe you would expect maybe that goes down i know the the ground ball rate was not as high as it normally is but you'd expect hopefully that could go back to what his career norm is there. I mean, a lead across the board. And like you said, the, the, uh, the uh, left on base is an outlier compared to anything he's had from 2017 on. So uh, I'm right there with you. This, I, actually, I haven't done as much deep diving yet into players this offseason. But again, just looking at it right now, it's like everything is there. It's like it's it's like a picture. It's like a painting where like you see the painting but then you look closer at the painting and you're like, "Oh,
1: I see what it is." You know what's frustrate. You know what's frustrating though is ten. I'm, this this is where I sound like the old guy. Ten years ago, Aaron Nola coming off this kind of season, you'd get a big discount on yeah. because everybody would just look at last season's ERA. We're all too friggin' smart uh, uh, now. Like there there are so few people who will not realize Aaron Nola is the same uh, guy. So everything we both just said. I think that's just going to be conventional wisdom that every single person playing fantasy at any kind of level, and I'm not talking like big money, uh, NFBC, I'm talking like your home league. Yeah. Uh, everybody's going to know. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be any discount on Aaron Nola, which eh, like, everybody's too smart now. It sucks.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it's kind of got depressing, but you're right. <laughs> it is. It's like, you can't get those like those little edges that you're used to. Um, you need new
1: edges. Yes.
0: And, uh, Doc, I want to go to you for this next one. We're going to go to the next guy here. I'm going to give you the edge. And you can lead off with this one. Blake Snell, seven and six, four two zero ERA, 170 Ks, and 128.2 innings. He was, if you were to put a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher, a face to that name, it might have been Blake Snell, who completely looked like a different pitcher post All Star break. Pre All Star break, four nine nine ERA. Post All Star break, three two four ERA looked a lot more like himself. Now, how do we value Blake Snell going into next season, Doc?
2: I mean, I don't think I've ever owned Blake Snell on any of my rosters, and I think his one Cy Young year really kind of hyped him up where he had 21 wins. Last year was the first year that he actually pitched seven innings in a game since that Cy Young year, so he went a, a year and a half without reaching that mark. His high, He won 180 innings in his Cy Young year. The highest is 129 cents. I think we were just worried initially about the Astra or the Dodgers in the division, but the Giants are a really good hitting team as well. He has to play in cores a couple times uh, throughout the year as well. I just don't like where he's going. Um, like you said, he's very Jekyll and Hyde, and that's how I felt about Aaron Nola as well. I'd rather let somebody else take him high, but if, if he can slip to the fifth-sixth round, I would take him there.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look, Rob brought up that the steamer projections are out. And right now they project him for a 3-4 ERA, 3 4 ERA next year. His fifth this year was three eight two, 8 So there were some ERA uh, indicators that showed that he pitched better than his actual ERA was. So, Rob, I'm curious. Are, Aaron Nola, once you dig in, it's like, boom. It's like nothing to worry about. Are you feeling the same with Blake Snell?
1: No, I'm not. Uh, so his fastballs... Um the term for it uh, atrocious. So it's gone from the last three seasons swing and strike rates 14.7, 11.395. So from 14.7, which is very good for a fastball, down to 9.5. His barrel rate has gone from 3.8 to 8.7 to 11%. So that's gone way up. Um, and the thing is, you could say, well, I'm not that worried about it because he's got that slider, and his slider is a really good slider, like 94th percentile swing and strike rate. Right? Like it is an elite slider. Problem is, he throws the fastball 52% of the time. Like he throws it so often, and the walks really worry uh, me, and especially with the fastball. His fastball, and on Alex Chamberlain's. Um, pitch leaderboard, you can you can separate all these things. His fastball had a 14% walk rate by pitch. And that's the highest of any starting pitcher's fastball and the sixth highest of any pitch overall. And like that's not great. When you're both getting killed by barrels and you're get you're walking too many guys. Um that's a tough combo, and my problem with drafting Blake Snell, even if he slips into the fifth, sixth round, is I think he needs to both get better because I think that the second half actually was him being lucky a little bit more than uh, really good, and I need him to increase the volume. And when you put those two things together, you know, we, as as it turns out, maybe uh, Tampa knew what they were doing in terms of pulling him all those times, like for him to become an elite pitcher. Uh, if it's just one thing he needs to improve, like, you know, he's just never thrown enough innings. So I need to see him go long or he's thrown tons of volume. He just needs to make this tweak. If it's just one of those things then I can buy in when I see a pitcher like, like Snell, or I think he has to do two different uh, things at the same time to get to where I want him to be. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be able to pull that off for six full months. Yeah.
0: I mean, they're, like you said, there's not a lot looking in there that I'm very happy or confident in. Like when you look at his profile, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting that that was brought up on a lot of other shows and, and just in general was he was insistent was on the changeup that he wanted yeah. to throw his changeup and, and was kind of ignoring the, the results it was getting. It took him getting getting blown up a few times before he finally started to just ditch it. Um, and, to me, when a pitcher sees those types of results and is being that thick-headed about things too, it's like, hey, like if you're not seeing the, you know, how a certain thing is working for you, or you're not seeing how the process isn't working. It's like then you got to be reactive. The re- the league is reacting to a certain thing, and if you're not, you know, trying to step ahead of them and, and eliminate that pitch and and up some of the pitches that are doing better, it's like it seems like he's a step behind, and it just one of those things that I'm, I, I mean. You know San Diego next year has Mike Clevenger coming back, and you would expect they want to contend. And if, if he's doing what he's doing next year to start out the year, who's to say maybe they don't demote him to a you know a long relief thing in the bullpen, which could be even worse. So uh, as the thunder strikes, so they know Who knows that uh, could be trouble. Um, let's get to the last guy here, and this this might be the most interesting pitcher of the three to talk about on this list because. He had as much prospect hype as anybody, it seems like, in the last few years. And he looked like he was going to—I mean, he was the top pitching prospect on a lot of people's charts just a couple of years ago. And now, Jesus Lazardo is coming off a 6-9, one ERA year. 98 Ks and 95.1 innings pitch. All blue on his stack cast page. We call those Mr. Freezes around here. And uh, not much—if you look at his pitches, not much went well outside of his curveball. Every other pitch got hit a pretty good amount. Did make some positive strides towards the end of the season. Was a little bit more kind of hit or miss rather than just getting hit a bunch. And his last start in October was pretty good. So, Rob, we're going into the offseason now with Jesus Lizardo. Obviously, in Dynasty Leagues, you're holding him and you're expecting better. But in redraft leagues and big money leagues, where are
1: you confident taking Jesus Lizardo? Uh, nowhere. Uh, I don't think he has been healthy uh, for four years now since... Uh 2018 2019 uh when the a's ramped him up to to bring him up for the playoffs uh and i don't have any reason to think that he's suddenly going to be healthy uh we talked about him in arizona uh nick pollock from uh List, uh disagrees very strongly he thinks he can recreate himself as a totally different pitcher from the pitcher he was as a prospect uh i'm willing to accept that that could happen Uh, He just won't be on my roster in a redraft uh, league this year. I think he's a different guy from the crazy hype prospect. And the thing with the Marlins is they have a ton of options. Like if you give me a – if I was going to draft an injured pitcher and I could either have rehabbing Sixto Sanchez – or Jesus Lazardo, give me Sixto uh, a thousand times uh, over uh, over Lazardo. And I don't know that I want either of them necessarily, but the point is the Marlins have arms. It's a weird world to live in where they have actual pitching uh, depth. So I, I would take, and I'm open to, to, to you guys obviously it's your show uh you can say whatever you want disagreeing uh, i think he'll be in triple a most of the season i think he'll be injured most of the season like i'm uh i'm i've very little interest it look if he shows up in spring training and its velocity readings are back to what it was uh when he was the top prospect uh then i'll reevaluate that but as of today uh i don't think he'll ever get there again and I'd love to be wrong because I hate pitcher injuries a ton. They suck.
0: Now, is there any point where, let's say, Jesus Lizardo was in the last round of your
1: draft, would you take him there? Um, no. Because uh, okay. uh, One of the uh, one of the lessons from Phil Dussault, who won everything in the NFBC this year, is don't approach the last round as if it's a dart to just take a like what the hell uh, guy because he was taking guys who were going to win twenty games in the last round. So, uh, it's um. No, I mean, again, who knows what happens in spring training? Like, I've reserved the right to change my opinion when I've actually done research and thought this through. Um, But I guess the point I'm trying to make is, as of today, um, I I have very little confidence he will be a productive major leaguer uh, in 2022.
0: Doc, anything you would like to add? Do you disagree with Mr. Rob Silver, or are you on agreement that you are out on Jesus Lizardo? I mean, I'm out
2: on him. Like, I don't think taking him, like, what Rob said, as a dart throw in the last round, like, are you chasing the upside where in 2019, with 12 innings pitched, he had a 1.5 yard and then a 34.8% K rate, like, he had six games where he went more than five innings, so very rarely will he qualify for the win. I think best case scenario for him is he's a long reliever, as Rob mentioned, they have a lot of arms there, Sixto Sanchez is coming back, they could have him maybe be in that Ryan Yarbrough role that we've seen Tampa do traditionally where maybe he pitches you know, the 3 through the 6 or you know, 2 through 6 or something like that but I need to see results first before I'm taking them just based off the name Alright, well again, obviously we're
0: diving at the end of October like Rob said, no one needs to stick to what they said here, this is kind of just a preliminary look kind of as we get ready for this long off season and we get to dive in all these players and we actually get to have a full, I know you know, it's mentioned not just look at the past off season, but look or last season, look at multiple seasons. But it's nice not having twenty twenty be the most recent season that we look at. We have a full season to kind of digest and look at some numbers. So great information from everybody here. But we're going to get now to the fun part of the show, starting off with the question of the week. Now, Rob, do you know where that's from?
1: No, that sounds like a Star Wars uh, sound. Oh. No. Star um, Trek.
0: All uh, uh, right, I'll play it one more time.
1: Super Friends. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Super have Friends. You, have you
0: ever seen Super Friends?
1: Yeah, I have. It's, it's sorry, I'm uh, I'm showing my age. <laughs> I think it's from like the 1970s. I don't, I don't know what. I, I, then, then I'm not thinking of the same Super Friends.
0: Oh my goodness, Rob! You
1: know what? I'll, I'll forgive the, you. This is my this is my first and last time on uh, this particular podcast. <laughs> when I oh. that's the that's the test. You can you identify super friends? Apparently, and apparently, I failed. To-
0: I've asked, it's usually
1: a 50-50, so 50-50. I, mean, I won't say it's like, I'd like to. I'd like to see a list of who's on one side and who's on my <laughs> side, and then I'll, I'll decide how embarrassed I should be about that. One of these days we'll have to
0: put that together, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a uh, fantastic way to intro into our question of the week here, and our question of the week, of course, is sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Night Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play. You also have to be able to identify super friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, tough affair. <laughs> uh, but anyway, our question this week who would be the best cowboy in Major League Baseball? And Rob sent me a DM kind of like asking a follow up about it, which is very fair. So this could be like who you could see like in a, a costume, like a cowboy costume. This could be who you see in a Western. A uh, bunch of different ways you
1: could classify it how do you classify it so do you do you, so let me clarify even further do you use the do you use the term cowboy as kind of like a badass term or as a pejorative term uh, cause I want to be careful how I answer uh, the term because look, I don't mean to be woke or anything, but I think we're at a time when cowboy can be seen in lots of different ways without going into like a broke back mountain type of sense. I'm talking like, uh, stereotypical, uh, cowboys. When you say that word, what, what does it uh, like emote for you?
0: I mean, that's kind of how I approached it when I was coming up. Positive. It like, yes. Po- all positivity. All show,
1: positivity. Though. Okay. Yes perfect
0: so you're the guest so you're going to lead us off here if one of you guys take mine i'll be very upset so
1: we'll so, so 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 last quality last clarification question does it need to be a current player or can be a, a historic player too
0: now, i didn't clarify that it had to be a current player so you can pick whoever you want
1: okay i'm gonna go the 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 biggest badass i think in my lifetime certainly in baseball uh who if he were a cowboy would like Clean up uh, as the as the local the local sheriff uh, that would be Nolan Ryan. Like I think he'd be grabbing grabbing guys off their horses and just throwing them uh, aside, kind of Robin Ventura uh, style. He's obviously got the Texas uh, twang to him, so I assume he's good at firing small weapons uh, uh, and guns and and such, which is key if you're going to be a cowboy. So yeah, I'll go Nolan Ryan as my uh, best baseball cowboy.
0: I like that. It's a good way to start it off here, and the ways that you describe it too are very good. I like the the thought that was with it. So uh, that's that's all I was looking. Spend all day thinking about who the cowboy should be. <laughs> I love it, Doc. Who's yours?
2: Well, I thought we were going with the current player, and I was going with the I longest apologize. tenured. I oh, know, you're fine. I was going with the longest tenured player that lives in Texas, which is Jose Altuve. If you think about it. Small, compact. Seems like he commands the center of attention. Like you've seen that picture of him next to Aaron Judge, right? But that, what was that yep. to do with being a cowboy? No, but he just feels like someone that that can, you know, if, if he can put up similar stats to Aaron Judge, if he can hit a home run just like he can, I just feel like he takes control. He could. He could wrangle a ball. He could uh, do whatever cowboys do. D- okay, do you think? So do you
1: think? Do you, do you think Altuve would have like one of those midget horses that he'd be riding around on, or would he have a full size? Would he have a full size horse when he's riding around it in don't the be, uh, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> like just? I, I, like just I,
2: I, I see him having one that's bigger than him that he knows how to control. Oh
0: Fair enough, God. Doc. I'm glad you went second with that horrible one, so I can. <laughs>
2: with this one. Oh my gosh! I can't wait to hear yours. Like, so make fun. All
0: of right. It. So the answer is Todd Frazier. So, first of all, you have to pick someone who plays for the Texas Rangers, right? That's first a qualification. You do that with Nolan Ryan. So, Texas Rangers, he hunts. So, if you're a cowboy, you're always on the hunt, right, for something. So, I think that's another qualification. You see when he gets dirty when he's playing third base in his prime. And he'd get dirty, go down for those ground balls. He's going to get dirty, and if he has to go and wrangle and uh, tie somebody up, he's going to go ahead and get dirty and do that. I think if if I mean, and he would probably look good with a cowboy hat too. You're saying definition of a cowboy. I feel like Todd Fraser isn't has Todd Fraser from like New Jersey? Yeah, yes,
2: <laughs> yes but he plays for Texas. So so, he did play for Texas. So David, when you first said that, I was like, okay, that's actually a good one. I'm not going to make fun of him. But your reasoning was just awful. Well, what would you have said that I didn't say? <laughs> well, when you said he, looked, uh, I if I like had had
1: to, if I no, go ahead, go. Ahead. I I I don't. I don't know if that's true. If I'd had to do a current player, I would have gone with Madison Bumgarner, who's probably the uh, biggest oh, yeah, in major, he is a, uh, baseball today. Yeah, he is a good one. Uh, that was fun. I, that he, was Madison Bumgarner drives spring training, pulling a trailer with a horse in the trailer. He basically is a cowboy. Uh, if you know, anyways, that would have been my backup answer. I mean, he does have an alias of Mason Saunders as his cowboy name. <laughs> there you go.
0: Does he, doesn't he? Um, not he bull ride or something too? He
1: does. He does all kinds of. You know, he obviously destroyed his shoulder and uh, basically ruined his career. Uh, also, riding like RVs, which is basically modern cowboy game. That's a great wow, a shame on there. us for not saying that Yeah, that's
0: a yeah. great throw in one it is, it is. You, just you, saved, just, you just saved the question with
1: that one You, you can tell how much time I put uh, Thought into this I didn't want to offend anybody Because I didn't know where this was going to head Anyways, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we did the question
0: That was fantastic It's a good way to lead into our last segment of the night Which is the question of the week all right, so I'm pretty sure the Jeopardy theme song won't get us uh, our monetization off on YouTube here. So,
1: cancel um, it, David, cut it off. I, I, I think we're. Saying, why, why, why didn't Why didn't you ask me where if I knew where that theme song if that where that drop was from?
0: Rob, if, if we didn't know that one, I think I have be yeah. on the show right now. <laughs> uh, our question of the week. So this game. It's game of like, the week, David. It's i yeah, I'm sorry. Game of the week is a game that I like to call. Arizona Fall League player, or player I made on MLB The Show. Jesus. So I'm going to read you seven names here. I, I have six for the actual game. If you guys are tied 3-3. Three to three, I have a tiebreaker. And your job is simply to tell me, is this an actual player, or is this a player I just created in a video game? All right.
1: so I feel like I'm going to Oh, I'm I'm so bad at this because there really are some obscure players in the AFL uh, this year, and I didn't pay that much attention to the rosters when I was there. So this is going to be humiliating, but I'm I'm all good with it.
0: All right, well here we go. Good game, Rob.
1: You already won. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Wow. He's already given up. Okay, let's see what happens. (laughs) Yep, I'm I'm thrown in the rope. Rob's the cowboy.
0: All right. Uh, question one or player number one, Gabriel Moreno starting off with Rob for the first one.
1: He's a Toronto Blue Jays catcher prospect uh, who, unfortunately, was not playing when we were there. But uh, he's he's off to a good start since he started playing, so he's an Arizona Fall League baseball player.
0: No, I will say <laughs> this. I will say this, and I guess it's part of me for not not explaining the rules clearly enough. You guys are each going
1: to answer the same question. Oh, jeez. So I oh, so I, I kind of gave it away. Yeah, so I, I, that's hey, wait wait, you kind of gave it away. You really gave it away. Uh, To be fair, how impressive would it be if I were full of shit? And in fact, (laughs) I had faked that whole thing and there is no such player. Well, it would have shown how much you prepared for the game that you didn't know was coming. (laughs) Exactly. So (laughs) that's a freebie, so it's
0: 1 1. That's fantastic. Uh, Doc, there you go. You won't be shut out. You can thank Rob now. Unless you want to change your answer, unless you think that's wrong. (laughs) I don't know, man. Just a hunch that it's a Fall League player. Well, is it the correct answer? (laughs) And uh, I don't know where my ding button is on my soundboard. Off the oh, here we go. There we go. Okay, so you're both correct. One point on the board each. Doc, you start the second one here. Davis (laughs) Beatty. Uh, I'm gonna say that's a fake player. Rob. Yeah, that's
1: definitely a fake player.
0: Yes, I changed the first name. I didn't actually. I should have put his actual name was. The Beatty is third base outfielder. For the Salt River Raptors, uh, so that oh, is there you go. all right. Tied two to two. Question three. Rob, we're starting with you. Leo Jimenez.
1: Boy, that's 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 like as generic as Fred Smith. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say that is an AFL player.
2: Doc, uh, that's a fake player.
0: Uh, we got our first disagreement, and Rob gets the point. He's an infielder also that plays for the Blue Jays.
1: Ah, I yes. felt like I had to diversify. Yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew that one, but I, I, yeah. now I know. I, now I've I, I picked up the nuances of the games.
2: I like, you hit that one well. You're learning very <laughs> yeah. fast. I like all it. right, so the guy that says, I'm so bad at this, <laughs> knows all three and what teams they play for.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll see if he gets all. I mean, no one's ever gone perfect in a game before, so I'll throw the jinx out there. Oh. All right, number four, Doc, starting with you, Spencer Speaker. It's a real player. Rob, fake player. He's a fake player. There's All right, well, I'm not winning
2: game. this game. <laughs> I told you, game. Rob,
0: Gigi. Uh, number number five, Rob, you're starting out,
1: Richie Stubbs. Another like uh, that's that's like Leo Smith also. Um... Fake player.
2: Doc. Only chance as I have going the opposite, real baby. And it is a fake player. <laughs> <laughs> to be I'm fair, sure. I would have guessed a fake one, but I needed the opposites. Let's be real. All right, question <laughs> six, and uh, I think even back. want me to guess. Yeah, I do. I do. I, uh, Doc Luca Tresh. Luca Tresh. It's a real one. Robert. Yeah, I'll go with. I'll go with real one too. Rob, he's stop copying me. <laughs> he's, a, he's a catcher for the Royals. That is
0: correct. I'm going to throw the go. bonus one in here just to see if Rob can go all seven <laughs> for seven here. Last one. Tanner Tully. Jeez. Uh, fake. And prevents the perfect game. The perfect game does not exist for triple play fantasy in any game yet. He is a real player. He's a left-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians.
1: To be fair, not, not to argue the rules of the game that you've created, that you run, that you administer, does not getting the, the bonus question really count against me? The bonus question as you explained the rules was only in case it was a tie which this just definitively was not a tie. So,
2: so Rob, what I think of this
1: as, you're now Armando Galarraga. Oh, it's <laughs> true. I think the, ump- the umpire has has kind of screwed me here. You know what? I might have
2: lost the game, but I got the mic drop.
1: There you you go. That was very good.
2: That's a high five for that. A virtual
0: high That was the perfect comparison. That was very good. This is Armando Galarraga. But on that note, Rob, I want to thank you so much for joining the show tonight. It was an absolute ton of fun for us to have you
1: here. This was great and I'd love to come back closer to the season to, to do this again and we can do the same six players and see how we flip flop <laughs> on all six players that are in totally different places once we've actually done all our prep and actually dove into the player pool for next year. Now this was a great time guys. I uh, really appreciate the invite.
0: Hey, uh, it, I'm not even just like that. You like genuinely made us laugh more than we've laughed on shows in a while and, uh, do all the stuff we love doing here and, um, can't wait to have you back on. Like you said, closer to the season. As long as you're, I know you're a busy guy. So as long as your schedule is free, no, no. If you're uh, gonna call me, a, if you're gonna call me a clown, uh, I'm happy to come back anytime. <laughs> if I make you, if I make you laugh, I love it. Uh, well, before we go, for those that have been living under a rock, can you tell them where they can find you on Twitter?
1: All the great stuff that you do and that you got going on. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Rob Silver. I try to avoid the Canadian politics as much as possible, but uh, but every once in a while there'll be some confusion if you don't know what's going on in Canada. And the Lunch Angle podcast, we're taking a, a, a sh- we we did a live episode from uh, Arizona. We'll take a few weeks off, and then we'll start diving into uh, prep for next season very shortly with uh, with Van Lee and Jeff Zimmerman. So check that out. They're a great squad, and they have a great
0: podcast. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you are if you're not already next week we're going to be diving into some more off-season content with another guest so who knows what guest that'll be but it'll be fun regardless until then everyone stay safe enjoy the world series and we're gonna make like a bread truck we're gonna haul you guys